0: This is Ye Old Dragons Library, the storytelling podcast. Here in season three, we're featuring the steampunk series, Guardians of the Time Stream. This is a chapter from the prequel story, Odessa Fremont. Ready for fun with fantastical fiction? Then let's begin. Chapter 17. By New Year's Eve, S. had several pages of notes on Durgan's activities to turn in to Stockwell. The big roustabout had always been a sociable type of person, exploring the towns where they stopped to perform, making friends with the locals, buying drinks for his new friends and handing out complimentary tickets to the circus. S. had thought it was just good business, a sign of loyalty to Stockwell, to constantly drum up business and make a good impression wherever they went. What if Durgan was meeting his contacts, passing along information, in every town? Perhaps he hadn't been assigned to watch Stockwell at the start, but he was a general spy for the Resurrectionists. What if Stockwell's enemies had deciphered his false identity, and with the worst kind of luck already had Durgan in place when their enemy bought the circus? The only other explanation was that Durgan was simply a bad apple who had agreed to spy on the new owner. Maybe he felt some resentment for the changes Stockwell instituted when he took over the circus. He has something of a reputation as a show-off, a braggart, Stockwell said, when S. made her report to him. He nodded and winked, but it wasn't his usual jaunty, encouraging expression. This last week of silent arguing between him and Jasper was taking a toll. S. felt a twinge of guilt, blaming herself, yet she knew she had done the right thing. If she hadn't mentioned Durgan to Sutter, and Sutter hadn't investigated, they wouldn't know Durgan was a liar and a danger. If I had learned he had his sights on Jasper, and didn't know what our friend discovered, I would have excused it as simply the kind of man he is. He likes to be admired. I would have told him to stay away from her and threatened to shackle her in my car for the next ten years, just because he's not the kind of man she should love. Knowing this casts a whole new light on the situation. "'Never mind my fury at being deceived.' "'I should have told you as soon as I found out,' S offered. "'No.' "'His smile had a touch of sadness. "'How are you to know? "'She's your friend, and I'm glad you have each other. "'Better that she's furious with me for a while "'than to destroy your friendship.' "'He patted S on the shoulder. "'So what are you going to do about Durgan? "'How do we prove he's passing information to others?' "'She gestured at the report in his hands.' He goes to the same saloon in town at the same time every day, while he talks with different people every day. He goes up to the same bartender and shakes hands with him each time. She shook her head. I can't help feeling they shake hands a little too long. Maybe I'm just suspicious. No, that's an old, time-honored method of passing messages. What are we going to do? You, he gripped her shoulder, so she had to look him in the eye, have done more than I would have asked or expected. I think I shall take a drive into town and send a telegram to thank Sutter for his help, then do some shopping. Presents and treats for the party. Something to get that dratted girl to smile at me, he winked again. You, if you would. Keep Jasper in my sights, she guessed. Stockwell nodded and squeezed her shoulder once more before releasing her. S. was headed for the cook tent when she saw Durgan heading there, The knot that had settled in her stomach while she talked with Stockwell effectively killed her appetite. The thundercloud on Durgan's face, the snapping tightness of his stride, caught Essa's attention. She shuddered, wondering what had set the man off now. Jasper had remarked a few times over the last week that Durgan was angry. Not with her, but with everyone else at the circus. He spent most of their time together holding her a little too tightly and when he kissed her, he seemed angry. S. had noticed bruises on Jasper's upper arms a few times, and blamed Durgan. She hadn't been sure what to do about it, other than mention the bruises in her report to Stockwell. She doubted the circus owner had read that far in her report. He might go after Durgan with a whip when he did. The knot in her stomach turned cold, and gut instinct told S. she did not want to be in the cook tent with Durgan right then. She decided to head back to her quarters and tie a handful of bullets into a handkerchief and tuck the bundle in the pocket without the hole. She just hoped she wouldn't need them any time in the near future. Jasper let out a yelp when S. pulled the door of their quarters open. The lantern hadn't been lit, and in the dim daylight streaming through the door, S. saw the tears glistening on her friend's face. "'Did he hit you?' she demanded, and leaped into the car, leaving the door hanging open." She wrapped her arms around Jasper and didn't care who saw them. Nearly, Jasper admitted through gulps that fought back sobs. Promise me. She grasped the other girl's shoulders and made her look her in the eye, just as Stockwell had done just a short time before. Promise me. If he ever raises a hand to you, you don't wait for him to hit. You take a knife to his gut. You hear me? Jasper went stone still, eyes wide. The tears stopped for a moment, not even breathing. Then she closed her eyes and swallowed hard and nodded. S. pulled her close again and rocked her. The rain came down then, pulling a gray curtain around their cramped quarters. She decided in that moment she would never spend another winter in the southern part of the country ever again. Seasons needed to be more defined. Winter required snow, not constant rain and chilly winds and everything gray. At least in a northern winter, the sun came out. As the rain thundered down harder, Jasper gained the courage to speak. Halting, stopping sometimes to swallow or rub her eyes, she told S. about her argument with Durgan. He insisted that it was time for them to run away. Time for her to stop being a child, put skirts on, and act like a woman. His woman. If that old fool was going to get in their way, then they should leave. Durgan had errands to run, to get back what Stockwell owed him— to even the score, and then they would leave. When Jasper hesitated, frightened by the fire in his eyes, his venom toward her grandfather, Durgan shoved her hard against the wall of the boxcar where they had been talking. He bent down so their noses touched, and snarled for her to stop being a baby and choose. And if you're as smart as you think you are, you'll choose me and get out with your skin whole, were his parting words as he stomped away. Your skin whole? S. shuddered. If that didn't prove Durgan was there to hurt Stockwell, she didn't know what would. I'm an idiot. Jasper sounded steadier now. How can he love me if he hates my grandfather like that? What does he think he's owed? Has he said yet that he loves you? Jasper's silence was all the answer she needed. You listen to me. S. sat back, judging that Jasper wasn't going to dissolve into sobs, that the crisis moment had passed. Time to start thinking hard and mount a good defense. Durgan was just playing with you, to spy on Stockwell and hurt him. Yes, he was, she hurried on, when Jasper shook her head. At least her eyes didn't fill with tears again. I know he was, because Stockwell asked me to follow him, and Durgan went into town every day and passed messages along. Jasper's utter stillness proved she was thinking hard and fast. Tell me, she finally said. The rain stopped and the sun had come out by the time S. finished telling Jasper everything she had seen while following Durgan around for the last week. Even if the sun wasn't bright, it was brighter than it had been for the past three days. S. dared to hope the puddles might start to dry up. She thought about lighting the lamp and closing the door so she and Jasper could keep talking in privacy. What's wrong? Jasper asked, when S. shuddered at the next thought that came to her. He's going to come looking for you once he calms down. When did he tell you to be ready to leave? Tonight. She wiped away the last few tears. I'm not waiting for him to come look for me. At least he stays away from me if he thinks I'm with Grandfather. Then that's where we're going. We've come to a break in the story. I'd like to take a moment to tell you about a book that you might be interested in reading. Do you hear howls when you see a full moon? What do you really know about the Wolfman? He could be a victim rather than a monster. He could be lonely, in pain, trying to find a way home. He could be the boy next door. He could be you. Explore new variations on the Wolfman in Moonlight and Claws, Classic Monsters Anthology Number no. One, from Ye Old Dragon Books. Moonlight and Claws is in paper and ebook. He'll never look at the wolfman the same way again. And now, back to the story. Stockwell wasn't in his train car office. S. had hoped he would wait until the weather cleared before going to town to telegram Sutter. Why did they have to be so far away from Washington? What if Durgan had contacts in town and they interfered with the telegram or even told Durgan Stockwell was sending for help? Even if he used code words, a telegram sent to Washington would raise a red flag for Stockwell's enemies. S. made Jasper promise she would stay there in the office and not come out, even if Durgan stood outside and bellowed loud enough to shake the car off the rails. That earned a weak grin from her friend. S. checked that her derringer was set in its holster as she hurried across the circus camp, praying Stockwell was still there. She checked with Bascom head of the roustabouts, then the men walking the horses outside, now that the weather was clearing. One of them thought he had seen Stockwell with the Countess. S. ran to the Countess's car. No one there. But as she left, Gus hailed her, and when she asked, he said the Countess and Stockwell had left maybe twenty minutes before. "'Decided to go to town, take advantage of the nice weather while it lasts,' the engineer said." S. thanked him and headed across the open area between the cook tent, the exercise ring, and the practice tent. What should she do now? Go to town after Stockwell? He had the two-man gig. Maybe she could talk Bascom into loaning her one of the performing horses. Her bareback skills meant she wouldn't have to waste time saddling the horse. Anyone watching might even assume she was taking the horse out for more exercise. Maybe if she rode fast enough... She could catch up to Stockwell and the Countess before they got to town. You, Durgan growled, emerging from the cook tent as S skirted around it. She ducked, sensing the hand reaching for her arm before she saw it. Not fast enough. His hand caught hold of her shoulder with bruising force. Then she smelled him. The combination of sour sweat, beer, and something she could only identify as dirty salt was unique to the big scowling man. "'Where is she?' Durgan said, yanking S around hard enough, her boots tried to slide out from under her in the mud. She shoved away hard, willing to land in the mud rather than fall against him. "'Where is who?' she staggered, catching herself before she fell. Several people out in the open looked up, pausing in their errands. Gus stopped on his way to his tent and looked back at them. "'Where is Jasper?' he reached for her again. "'You leave Jasper alone?' "'Stockwell told you not to talk to—talk to him.' She nearly laughed at the close call, referring to Jasper as her. Her friend would not appreciate that slip-up at all. "'He's not here,' Durgan sneered. "'Leave the boy alone,' someone called from behind S. "'Mind your own business.' Others drew closer, some of them jumping in, telling Durgan to leave S alone. His response was to curse at them. "'When S tried to back away—' "'Mistakenly believing the man was distracted, "'he lunged, grabbing at her again. "'Leave the boy alone!' Gus shouted, "'stomping through the growing crowd. "'His big boots spattered mud. "'You're all idiots!' "'Durgan caught hold of S.'s shirt by the collar and front buttons "'and yanked hard, pulling in opposite directions. "'The material tore with a shriek. "'She nearly choked, fighting not to echo the sound. "'Gus and two other men leaped on Durgan.' wrestling her free of the man's grasp. S. staggered back, pulling the shreds of her shirt up into place, but all she felt under her fingers was the material of the corset. She couldn't seem to do anything but stand there, arms crossed over her chest. Technically, she was still decently clothed, but she felt naked, and growing more naked by the second as everyone's gaze seemed to land on her. What is that? Wilcox, another of the roustabouts, stared at S., He barely noticed when Durgan shoved him hard enough to make him stagger, sliding in the mud. "'That's a girl,' Durgan said with a sneer, followed by a stream of filth describing Wilcox's family defects. "'You just figured that out?' Gus startled S.'s brain back into motion with a bellow of laughter. He winked at her when she turned and stared at him. "'You big, smelly, drunken bully!' Glenda, one of the trapeze artists, stomped through the ring of onlookers and flung her shawl around S. If you don't like a girl dressing as a boy, you take it up with the boss. You don't go ripping off her clothes. You knew, S. whispered. Glenda winked and put an arm around her. Admit the big idiot saw what the rest of us missed? Not on your life, she whispered. Durgan stomped toward her, reaching again for S, spilling curses. But Gus and several others came between them, forcing him to stop. Durgan's cursing grew louder, until his voice cracked and he actually went silent, his face going dark red. Others weren't so silent. S. was relieved that some actually laughed. A few were astonished, but didn't seem upset. She should have known circus people would be far less stuffy than other people, at the revelation that a boy was actually a girl in disguise. "'Jasper is a girl!' Durgan barked. He lashed out, lunging at Bascom when he laughed. "'Most of us know,' Gus said. "'And we don't much care. "'She's a good worker, and she must have a good reason for hiding.' "'Did you know she's Stockwell's granddaughter?' That struck everyone silent. S. pulled free of Glenda. The acrobat woman let her take the shawl with her. S. watched Durgan, who fortunately seemed to be glaring at everyone but her. She felt sick to her stomach as she backed away, trying to still her spinning thoughts enough to plan what to do next. She couldn't push her mind past the last three words he had said. Again, how did Durgan know? Jasper swore she had never told him. Was that proof Durgan worked for the enemy? If he knew Jasper was Stockwell's granddaughter, maybe he knew Stockwell's real name. S. ran for the horses, trotting around in the muddy, makeshift corral, disturbed by the shouting. She fumbled with the shawl, tying it around herself so she was decently covered. Her hands shook a little, but she managed to grab the top bars and vault over the barrier. Misty, her favorite of the ring horses, trotted up to her. S. pulled herself up onto the horse's back and nudged her toward the gate. Kicker, one of Gus's apprentices, shouted her name and swung the gate open just before she had to slow Misty and turn her to handle the latch. She thanked him with a salute and then wove her fingers through the coarse mane of her mount. All that mattered now was catching up with Stockwell. She prayed Durgan didn't realize she had fled on horseback to look for the circus owner. More important, she prayed he wouldn't find Jasper before help could come. She had barely come around a bend in the road, a large stand of trees hiding the circus grounds from sight. When a man on horseback crashed out from among the trees in front of her and out onto the road, S. nudged Misty hard, yanking on her mane to get the horse to swerve out and around him. He shouted, waving his arms as she passed him, and calling her Joshua. She nearly lost her balance as she turned to look at him. "'Tucker?' She shook her head and faced forward. "'That couldn't be one of Sutter's men, could it?' "'Slow down there, lad,' Tucker said, his voice rattling as his horse galloped up alongside Misty. "'What's the brouhaha you left behind?' "'Sutter put you on guard?' She hooked her thumb behind herself, barely waiting for the agent to nod. "'Durgan is on the warpath. I need to tell the boss. I need to get him back there before Durgan kidnaps his granddaughter.' Tucker's usually smiling face darkened, and he concentrated on the road ahead of them as the two horses raced side by side. Then he nodded. "'Three more of us on duty. I'm going back. You warn Stockwell.' He saluted her before yanking up hard on the reins and turning his horse in a wide arc. S. found it hard to breathe for a moment. She blamed the momentary misting in her eyes on the wet wind slapping her in the face. We're already at the end of today's chapter. I hope you enjoyed yourself and you're eagerly looking forward to the next episode of Ye Old Dragon's Library.